similar laws today in regards to more aggressive dogs like pit bulls that oftentimes owners of aggressive dogs will be held liable for the pain that's been inflicted on people by their pet so the idea here is that if you have an ox and you don't realize and it and it acts differently than its normal character then the ox loses its life because of the life that was lost but if you knew that your ox was aggressive and you neglected to take care of it and somebody died then you are punished with the loss of your life also the idea of intent and neglect. Anger really messes up how we deal with things. We let our feelings get in the way of finding equitable solutions in the midst of conflict. Today, Pastor Daniel continues teaching about God's laws. God's heart was to provide his people with a more excellent way, and it still is. Although some of the laws may sound antiquated, we'll hear how relatable they are for today. From animals to property, we'll find God's provision for us in everything. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message entitled, Properties and Principles. We're looking now, we're in the middle of seeing the law, the Torah, where God is actually giving his purposes and plans to the children of Israel. We made the point that chapters 20. 21, 22, 23, and then 24. It's called the Book of the Covenant. It's kind of the first set of laws after the Ten Commandments. And in these laws, what we're finding is that God is teaching the people really three attributes, civil, ceremonial, and moral. Civil, how they're meant to be governed. What's their community supposed to be like? What are the laws of their community? Ceremonial. Who is this God and how shall he be worshipped? God cares about how we worship. And then moral, what is God's standard for morality? Now, we live in a day and age, of course, where our culture dictates a set of morality. They say this is the right way that you're supposed to be and feel. And they put forth their version of it. And what's interesting is that there are certain aspects of American culture and morality that run in line with God's word. And there are other things that run out of line with God's word. Now, we have to always remember, who has the final say on what is right and wrong? God. Why? Because God is the ultimate authority. So the people of God have always throughout their history practiced civil disobedience on areas where a culture's ideas of morality and laws run roughshod over God's word. You think of the book of Acts. You think of the apostle John and the apostle Peter. The the religious leaders said, don't you preach in that name of Jesus anymore? And they said, guess what? No. That's what they said. Straight up. No. N-O. Nada. Nunca. Whatever your language is. Niet. Whatever your thing is. No. That's the answer. We're going to preach in Jesus' name. We're not going to stop. And they got in trouble for it. People got saved in jail because of it. But that's what happens. 
So we're seeing God's standard for righteousness. It's interesting how these laws, some of them seem strange, but when you think about them in context of our culture, you learn a lot about what God values and what God doesn't value, what God sees to be important and what maybe doesn't seem to be important. Now, we're picking up in verse 28 of Exodus chapter 21, and look at what it says right from the get-go. It says, if an ox gores a man or a woman to death, then the ox shall be sh- surely be stoned, and its flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall be acquitted. But if the ox tended to thrust with its horns in times past, it has been made known to its owner, and he has not kept it confined so that it has killed a man or a woman. The ox shall be stoned, and its owner shall be put to death. If there is imposed on him a sum of money, then he shall pay to redeem his life, whatever is imposed on him, whether it has gored a son or gored a daughter, according to the judgment, it shall be done to him. If the ox gores a male or female servant, he shall give to their master 30 shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. Now, these laws illustrate the, the principle of both intent and neglect, intent and neglect. And it's using animal control laws. So you can imagine if there is an ox, as it says in verse 28, if the ox gores a man or a woman to death, the ox shall be put to death and its flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall be acquitted. So what that means is that if you have an ox and your ox gores somebody, then you can't eat the oxes. The ox should be killed, but you can't enjoy the meat of the ox, because that ox took somebody's life. But notice what happens in verse 28. But if the ox tended to thrust with its horn in times past, and has been made known to the owner, and he has not kept it confined, so that it killed a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned, and its owner also shall be put to death. Now notice that. So if you have an ox, and your ox is known to be aggressive, and that ox kills somebody, not only will the ox lose its life, but you will lose your life also because you knew that your property could be destructive. In a lot of ways, we see similar laws today in regards to more aggressive dogs like pit bulls, that oftentimes owners of aggressive dogs will be held liable for the pain that's been inflicted on people by their pet. So the idea here is that if you have an ox and you don't realize and it acts differently than its normal character, then the ox loses its life because of the life that was lost. But if you knew that your ox was aggressive and you neglected to take care of it and somebody died, then you are punished with the loss of your life also. It's the idea of intent and neglect. If you neglected it, it's a problem. Notice what it says next. In verse 30, if there is imposed on him a sum of money, then he shall pay to redeem his life, whatever is imposed on him. Now notice that capital crime could be substituted by the person or the family who lost a loved one with a, a fine, with a financial restitution. And he can pay the fine if it's offered instead of his own life. Notice verse 31, whether it gores a son or a daughter, according to the judgment, it shall be done to him. Verse 31. Notice, if the ox gores a male or female servant, he shall give their master 30 shekels of silver and the ox shall be stoned. Now, the New Testament reader would notice that 30 pieces of silver, that 30 shekels of silver. Why? Because that was the same price that Jesus was sold for, which was also, throughout the law, the common fee for a servant. 
That's why Judas was paid 30 shekels of silver by the Pharisees. It's the common fee for a servant. Which is interesting because Jesus said it's more blessed to give than receive, and he's the greatest servant of all in all these things. You could imagine Jesus being much more valuable than that, but that's what they paid for him. Now, if you're here for the first time this week and you hear that word servant, or your your translation says the word slave, and you're struggling with it, what I want you to do is I want you to table that frustration and go back and listen to last week. It's on our website, crossroadschurch.net. You can find it. We spent a lot of time talking about what the Hebrew version of a servant was. And it's different than what we think about because we filter it in the West through African slavery. We saw last week that if you kidnap somebody, then that's a capital crime. So African slavery is different. I made the point that a servant in the Bible was a lot like you and I today where we work for somebody because we just want money to be able to provide for our families. A lot of people don't love their jobs. They do it to provide for their families. In a lot of ways, it's indentured servitude. We just call it by a different thing. We call it employment. But how many of you would get rid of your employment if you could right now, right? You like a lottery ticket, a wealthy family. You're like, I'm out of here, right? So same thing. You don't do it because you love it, most of us. You do it because you got to do it to pay the bills. And I gave it a more extensive treatment last week. So I want you to go back. I just wanted to make sure you realize that. Now, notice what happens. Verse 33, if a man opens a pit, And if a man digs a pit and does not cover it, and an ox or a donkey falls in it, the owner of the pit shall make it good. He shall give money to their owner, but the dead animal shall be his. If one man's ox hurts another's so that it dies, then they shall sell the live ox and divide the money from it. And the dead ox they shall also divide. Or if it was known that the ox tended to thrust in times past and its owner has not kept it confined... He shall surely pay ox for ox, and the dead animal shall be his. Now, verse 33 and 34, again, deals with the laws of neglect. If you dig a big hole, and you don't cover it, you don't make it safe, and somebody else's ox is walking through, and the ox falls in, and the ox is dead, then you pay the price of the ox, but you get to keep the dead animal. So in effect, you break it, what? You bought it. There is where it comes from, right there. The New Daniel Translation. New York City version. You break it, you bought it. That's the way it goes. Notice again, we come back to it again in verse 35. Now it's not about if your ox kills somebody. Now if your ox hurts another person, same thing. So if two oxes go at it, these are all the same laws. You see, what the Lord is trying to do with the people is show them, listen, you're going to settle down. You have been slaves. Now you're settling down. You're going to organize yourself. And this is what's going to happen. Because guess what? In a fallen world, garbage happens. And in God's economy, when garbage happens, we should find equitable solutions. That's what he's saying. And so I always think of a, a story about this. One of my very first pastors, a man I love very much, he told me this classic story. And he said, he said, you know, there was these two people, they came to the church together, they lived right next to each other. And there was a dispute of about a three foot portion of land that was in between their house, where the property line was, and they were fighting about it, and it was all mess. And so they both came to the church and they read in the Bible that, well, you should let the, the church decide instead of going to law against one another. And so one guy came and said, pastor, I'm told the story, what should I do? He said, well, in Jesus name, you should give it to the other guy. And then the next day, the other guy comes, oh, tells him the story. What should I do? He said, Pastor. He said, listen, in Jesus' name, you should give it to the other guy. So he told both guys to give it to the other guy. You know what happened? Both guys left the church. 
it's kind of one of those ironic, kind of sad stories, but it happens. Man, in Jesus' name, just find equitable solutions. So often we lack the grace to be equitable because we're angry. And guess what? You're going to find, as we're studying the law, that the way we feel about things really have no bearing on right and wrong. All of our feelings are our own personal Judases every single day. I wish I didn't have fallen feelings, but I do. Often what we feel is the problem. But God wants to show each one of us a more excellent way, a way founded in love, in grace, in selflessness. That's always the Jesus way. So just so you know, if you're in here and you're disputing with your neighbor about a small piece of land, you already know what I'm going to tell you if you come and ask me about it. So just give it to your neighbor. And I hope you don't leave the church because I told the story, and then you feel guilty. Let's move to chapter 22. Now, chapter 22, verse 1. If a man steals an ox or sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. If the thief is found breaking in and he is struck so that he dies, there shall be no guilt for his bloodshed. If the sun has risen on him, there shall be guilt for his bloodshed. He should make full restitution. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. If the theft is, if the theft is certainly found alive in his hand, whether it is an ox or a donkey or sheep, he shall restore double. If a man causes a field or vineyard to be grazed and lets loose his animal and it feeds in another man's field, he shall make restitution from the best of his own field and from the best of his own vineyard. Now, what's interesting about Hebrew law as opposed to American law is that there is no incarceration in the Jewish penal system. There is no incarceration. It is a restitution-based culture, which means if you do something wrong, instead of being incarcerated, there is some sort of a restitution. And that will be a life for a life in some cases. But here we get into things about how that restitution should be given. Now, notice verse 1. We're talking about intentional theft. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it and sells it, he shall restore five oxen, for an ox, or for sheep, for a sheep. So if somebody, now you got to realize, we talk about oxen and sheep. That was the old school version of a diversified portfolio. That's what it was. Because it was, it was a shepherding and agrarian culture. So livestock was maybe real estate. It was, it was a good piece of property. You could work your land with it. You can get food from it. So we have to translate these type of things, unless, I mean, we live here in southern Washington, so some of you have got some really cool cattle, and so that makes sense to you. For others of us, you just have to think that this is the, the ways of accumulating wealth in that culture. So if somebody steals it, right, and if he steals it, if he sells it, if he slaughters it and eats it, no matter what he does it, if he steals it, the restitution is five ox for an ox or four sheep for one sheep. Now, why is there a difference? That's, if that's what I thought. I'm like, well, so why five ox for one ox and four sheep for a sheep? Why the difference? Well, because oxen were more valuable. You could till a field with an ox. A wealthy family in that culture would have just one ox. It was very strong animal, whereas a sheep, they, they're not good for as much. You can shear them. You can do some other things with them. But an ox was a very important part of an average family there. So it was even, it was considered even more valuable. 
In a lot of ways, we see this in our own penal system where if somebody takes something from somebody and they end up losing their life for it, that is seen as more detrimental to their life than maybe something a little bit less important. So it's the same kind of a concept, but it is a restitution style. So if you intentionally steal from somebody, you steal their ox, and you either sell it or you slaughter it and eat it for food, you owe five oxen. You can imagine if you stole an ox, it's probably because you don't have one. If you have to make restitution for five oxen, then you're going to have to work for that. You see how that goes? Same thing. If you're stealing a sheep and you don't have any sheep, you need to restore four sheep, fourfold restoration. You're going to have to go to work for it. Now, what does all this teach us? As a quick aside, is that crime don't pay. It just doesn't. And you know what? You, you bring that into the spiritual realm, and really what we have to remember is that sin isn't worth it either. Sin gives a false facade of fulfillment. It gives a false sense of enjoyment. The Bible's honest. It says that sin is pleasurable for a season which means it is enjoyable in the near term, but in the long term, it ends up eating you from the inside out. It eats you alive. It hollows you out. And all of us in here on some level can resonate with that because we've all been there. You think, wow, that sounds really fun. And then you do it and it is fun until it's no longer fun. And so we have to realize that. That oftentimes in the heat of the moment, that sheep really looks good until you have to restore fourfold. And you're like, you know, I probably shouldn't even have messed with the sheep. The ox was, oh yeah, I really wanted an ox. Like, I really like that ox meat. You know, I make a little ox bud chili. Mm Mm-mm. But then when you have to restore fivefold and you're working for the rest of your life to try and pay that debt back, you think to yourself, was it really worth it? And so when we think about the decisions that we make in our lives, each one of us, every single moment of our lives, we stand at a crossroads. And I don't just say that because that's the name of our church. It's true, though. We stand at this crossroads and we make decisions about our lives. And we need to think consequentially about our actions. That if I do this, it's going to end up here, here, and here. But oftentimes, because we want things, we have the desires of the body, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Because we have all these things and we want all these things, we end up getting short-sighted. We know that Adam and Eve... That tree looked great, but there was a lot of fruit that they could have eaten, and it was all good. They had liberty for all of it. But guess what they got when they ate of the, the forbidden fruit? There was a severing in their relationship with each other, with God, and with themselves. And you know that if they would have known that before they did it, would they have done it? And that hindsight was twenty twenty, right? So for us as Christians, as people who have received the grace of God and have the Spirit of God in us telling us a new way to live, we need to have foresight that's twenty twenty. Crime doesn't pay. Sin doesn't pay. In the end of the day, the restitution will be worse than we want it to be. And the beauty is, is that because of the finished work of Jesus, no matter what we've done, we have forgiveness. And in the heat of the moment, God has given each one of us an escape route. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. That no temptation has overcome a person such as is common to all people and that in all ways God has given an escape route. So brother, sister, listen, in that moment of trial, of temptation, take the escape route. If you're here tonight and you've already taken the wrong way, repent. That's the biblical word for turning around and going back. There's no harm in saying, I went down the wrong path. I'm going to turn around and come back and I'm going to try and fix this. 
But what we, most of us do is we start getting down the road and we know that we're down a wrong road. And because we're so far down the road, we just keep going. And you know what ends that, know where that road ends in? A train wreck. It ends in a train wreck. So brother, sister, turn around. Think consequentially about what the implications of what we are doing are. If the person who was tempted to steal an ox were to think, well, if I get caught, and there's probably a good chance that I will, because everybody around here knows I ain't got an ox. When they see me with an ox, they're like, that ain't yours. We, we know that ox isn't yours. Right? Then I'm going to have to restore fivefold. So when you think that way, it's not wrong, the fear of punishment to deter us from doing wrong. It's, that's not a wrong thing. That's actually quite logical. I do this with my kids all the time. I love my kids. They're so cute, but they're little sinners. They learned it from their mom. Now, let's be honest. Those of you who know my wife, we all know that's not true, right? <laughs> we, we know that I weigh those scales a little bit harder on the, uh, on the rebellious side. But, but, you know, it's like you sit down and you're like, now listen, if you, you know what's going to happen if you do that, right? And like, mm-hmm. you know? Because we've taught them, like, hey, if this, if this happens, then this is going to happen. We want our kids to realize that there are consequences for their actions. Right? I think that's a good way to raise a child. Say, listen... Mom and dad aren't going to be able to fix everything. You got to realize if you do that, it's, something bad's going to happen. So I sit down and they start, I see, you can see it in their eyes, you know? Because, you know, I'm a sinner too, so I can see the sinner look. You know, they're just, they're eyeing it up a little bit. You're like, ah, oh, I know what's going on here. I say, you know, I'll say, you know, it's my daughter, I say, Maranatha, should you be thinking about doing that? And she'll be like, you know, all cute with her little big tails, like, no. I'm like, but you're thinking about it, right? And she's just like, mm-hmm. She's so cute, you know. And, and, but then you're just like, but if you do that, you know what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Like, well, you better think about what you're going to do because there's going to be, every action has a reaction. And I would love to say that my perfect little cherubim get it all right, but we know how that goes sometimes. But we have to think consequentially about our lives. We have to think consequentially because guess what? If we make the wrong decisions, there are consequences for those decisions. But the way back is paved with grace by God. And I love that about the Lord. The Lord isn't given up on you. He doesn't think that you're a lost cause. He knows exactly what's in you. Jesus knows what's in each one of our hearts. He knows that we're but dust. He knows that we're prone to wander like a sheep. And he still loves us. And he still comes for us. And he still beckons us to respond to him and come back. So brother, sister, tonight, just come back to Jesus. Just respond to him by turning from the rebellion. Just return to him and he's just waiting for you. He's waiting for you with arms wide open, loving you that much. On the cross, he's saying, just just come back. And no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, he's still for you, not against you. When Jesus went on the cross, he already knew you were going to get involved in the stuff that you've been involved in. He knows that I'm going to be involved in the stuff that I've been involved in in my life. And he still came and he still died. And I think that's wild. I think God's grace is unbelievable that God would know all this with full knowledge and still say, yep, I'm going to still take that punishment because that's the kind of God I am. God rolls that way with an everlasting love. Jesus is real. The laws we heard about today were meant to show the people they needed to organize themselves and set forth solutions. 
God wanted to give his people a way to settle disputes because when it comes to people, we fight it out, but that's not God's way. It's our joy to bring you Jesus is Real Radio each day here on this station. We want to give you the opportunity to partner with us here at Jesus is Real Radio so we can bring the ministry to as many people as possible. Simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu. There you can help spread God's Word by becoming a monthly supporter or by giving a one-time gift. For most of us, our smartphone is an extension of our body. They are constantly ringing and dinging, telling us what to do and where to go next. We want to encourage you to subscribe to the Jesus Is Real podcast. Each week, the programs right here on the radio are available in podcast format. So if you miss one of the broadcasts, you can always catch up by subscribing to the Jesus Is Real podcast. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share about more provisions God made for His people as He set forth His laws. From animals to lending to social responsibilities, God wanted the people to be at peace. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series entitled Sinai. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio. 